It's an honor and a privilege to fill in for Rob. He certainly deserves a, uh, a time to refresh and celebrate his and Sue's 32nd anniversary. Yeah, you're right, Ed. They still have a ways to go to catch up Gloria and myself. They've got 33 more years to go, so hope they hang in there. I want to ask a question. Are there any first-time visitors here today besides our friends Dennis and Nancy? From, they're infiltrating from Cottage Grove, so anyone? just want to say that you, if you're here, you have made a good choice uh, in this church family. You will discover uh, in a few weeks just how good a pastor and how good a preacher Rob is. If you're watching, Rob, was that what you wanted me to say? You know. <clears throat> okay, I noticed on the uh, worship order that uh, I've been allotted 25 minutes to share what I believe God has laid on my heart this morning. Uh, for you, so we better get started. And Kathy, you always sit there. You are. I'll give you a two-minute warning. Okay. <laughs> I lead, as as Ed uh, mentioned, <clears throat> I lead a, a men's bi- weekly Bible study in our community, and uh, we've just finished using a book entitled "Rediscovering the Passion, Rediscovering the Promises, and the Power of God." The book was written by a pastor by the name of Bob Moss, who may be watching today, according to a friend of mine that's a friend of his. So, Bob, I hope you're watching. Over the next three weeks, I I just want to share the author's author's insightful message with you. I think, think and I believe it's very timely for, uh, for the times that we are in, and especially these last two years, right? You all know what I'm talking about? So we better get started. Let me, let me pray. Father in heaven, I just pray, God, that even though we may, be, we may be hard of hearing physically, that you would just open our third ear, our spiritual ear, so that we can hear what the Spirit says to the church. We ask us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me set the table for you this morning. I don't know. Um, is the uh, text going to be up on the screen this morning? Do we know? If it's not, I'm going to read it to you anyway, so it don't matter. And so uh, it kind of helps to set the table for today's message. Luke chapter 2, you have your Bibles with you. I hear that zipper opening up. That's great. If you have your iPhones and everything, you get it on there. Turn to Luke chapter 2, verses 41 and 52. You'll notice that I've given you an outline in the bulletin. I don't like outlines myself because then you'll know when I go off script if I put too much down. (laughs) And I do that once in a while. Let me read as we, uh, as we hear this wonderful story that most of us are familiar with, but sometimes we gloss over scripture like this. We, we really see it for what we think it means, and we don't see what God intends it to mean. So let me, uh, let me read this. And as I'm reading, look for the times that we see passion and, and the different types of passion, Okay. Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 41. Every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he, Jesus, when he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy, Jesus, stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. 
Thinking it was in, he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. And then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. He's only 12. After three days, three days, they took him. After three days, he found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. Can't you imagine? His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Jesus says, why were you searching for me? He asked, didn't you know I, am, I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went back to Nazareth with them, their hometown, and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. There's a lesson on how we build our character. Growing in wisdom and stature, not only with God, but with our communities and with our friends and our, and our neighbors. The question I have this morning is in your bulletin, and that's not my question. It's Bob Moss's question. I want to give him credit. It's a rhetorical question in your, in your bulletin there, and I quote, remember, we're talking about rediscovering the passion. Quote, when you think about the best days of your life, do you look to the past or do you look to the future? Do you think of what is yet to come or what has gone by? What do you think about? Do you have a spirit of expectation or a spirit of hesitation and frustration? The next question asked, uh, and I quote, when the people in the local church talk about the best days of the church's life, do they talk about the past or do they talk about the future? Easy. Very easy to talk about the past, the glory days of the past. Very easy to do that. Now, the way we answer these two questions are critical to the ongoing of the kingdom of God. And isn't that what we're all about? Are we not about the ongoing of the kingdom of God? Whether or not the gospel will be preached, whether it will be snuffed out, never to be heard again or heard at all. Have you ever lost something? Have you ever lost something precious, something special to you, only to find it later on down the line? I think of these people who suffered these fires lately. Going back to the scene, sifting through all the ashes and wow, there's something, that, there's something that wasn't touched. How precious of a moment that must be. As an example, back in the days when uh, the game of marbles was popular, Bill, you're probably going to remember this, marbles. When the game of marbles was popular, I owned a steel ball bearing shooter. And I won a lot of marbles with it. One day when I was about to join in a very competitive game of marbles, I could not find it in my bag of marbles. 
<clears throat> Needless to say, I lost a, mar I lost a lot of my marbles that day. Now be careful how you think about that. <laughs> and then one day, my mom was washing a pair of jeans that I hadn't worn for a long time. And there was this horrible noise coming out of the washing machine. Sure enough, it was my steel ball bearing shooter. I can remember the rush of passion as I rediscovered my precious marble winner. My passion for the game returned. I can also recall hearing a story about a man who was in a market and, hear, and him hearing the pitiful cry of a woman on the next, in the next aisle. Rushing to her, he found that she had lost track of her four-year-old son, Adam. She could not find him anywhere in the store. The panic in her eyes was plain to see. The passion to find her son was emblazoned on her face. Then it happened. They heard a voice over the loudspeaker. Attention, attention, we have a little boy named Adam here at the service center. With that, the women ran to the sound of the voice. The man stood by as they were reunited, watching the thrill of the discovery of her son and the passion that was expressed. Oh, there were tears of joy for sure, but there was something else. There were consequences. The mother was now with her emotions under control, explaining to little Adam that she did not want him to ever wander off like that again. With that, a pat on the bottom and a hug from, her, from mom, they both headed off to the exit. Remember our passage of Jesus at 12 years old? The passion. As a pastor of evangelism, discipling over others for over 40 years now, I have a passion for the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I recognize the fact that if I'm not careful... And if I'm not alert, my enemy, the devil, can distract me with things of this world so that I don't even realize that my passion has wandered off. Or gets lost in these, all of our everyday activities. The past two years has taken its toll on many of God's people that were just simply distracted. Don't you think that there have been enough distractions in the life of the church over the past two years to compromise the church's mandate to go into all the world, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach them everything I've commanded you, and lo, I will be with you forever. One of the greatest promises in the Bible. For sure, the worst thing that can happen to any congregation for the setbacks of the past to cause the congregation to take their passion for the gospel out of gear and begin to coast. But sadly, the only way a person can coast is downhill. To, to stop the downward spiral requires change. I understand that change is difficult. I understand it's inevitable. But growth, both spiritually and numerically, is an option. That's a, that's a decision for and in the future. Please remember, when I say congregation or church, I am speaking in the general sense. In my years of public ministry, uh, there have been times of great sadness and sorrow over what I thought was the end. I actually thought a couple of times that God was finished with me and any kind of ministry. There was no hope. 
But that was another life from my enemy, another distraction from my enemy, the devil. So returning to personal prayer and the hugs that I get from God's word, I rediscovered what I thought I had lost. And the churches I served in began to again rediscover their own passion, their own God-given passion for others. After that, it was not long, and the congregation began to smile again and began to flourish with people that outside noticed and heard the excitement in the voices and the lives of the church. Here's a warning, though. If that excitement from the, for the gospel only comes out of the pulpit, what I just described cannot happen. For sure, the world has a different interpretation of what passion is. And the world's definition is not compatible with God's definition of passion. For a biblical picture of what passion for the lost is, the parable of the Good Samaritan is a prime example. The church that Jesus died for never wants to get to the point of looking the other way out of a distracted or unconcerned state of mind. Because you see, when that happens, the Holy Spirit is grieved. And the coasting downward spiral begins toward non-existence. I find it interesting, I think, that the seven churches mentioned in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3 no longer exist, but maybe, possibly, only a remnant. So what's your church to do? To rediscover its strength. To rediscover its passion and purpose. Let me suggest a few to you this morning. It's in your outline in the bulletin if you like to take notes. The number one thing that a church has to do is have a mindset for discovering what has been lost. Admit what's been lost. Understand what's been lost. The dictionary defines rediscovering as finding something that was lost or forgotten. I've had the opportunity many times to observe what happens when people lose sight of their spiritual divine passion, their concern for people far from God, and their salvation. Those that are lost and spiritually abused are out there left adrift. It is my strong belief that churches today need to be singing more and more of standing on the promises. Count your many blessings, not just because I'm old. Because there's a message in those songs. Faith is the victory. You know, and, and I believe that because a whole generation, a whole generation is passing by, not even knowing of the passion, the promises, the power of God. And their parents aren't far behind, are they? The second thing a church can do to rediscover the passion, the power, the purpose, the purpose of God, the promises. The second thing a church can do is realize it's not about me, it's not about us. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus, it's all about the promises of God and the life-changing power of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. When our feelings, when our desires and our prideful knowledge get in the way, nothing but decline can happen. 
And the coasting begins with looking good, going nowhere. Paul describes that as a whitewashed fence in one of his letters. I'm convinced that the future is where God is. I absolutely believe that. I am sure he's here right now in this moment, positive of that. But not for long. Because he will be moving forward into the future and the church must follow. The church must follow. I've had the wonderful experience of witnessing individuals as well as whole congregations regain their stability with the rediscovery and renewal and revival through God's passion, through his promises, and through his power. The third thing a church must do is face the reality. A church must, an individual or a church must face the, the reality of its relevance to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Relevance is a, was a tricky word for me for a while. I thought, I thought it meant nothing more than something real. But lately I found through study of the word that it means it's a connection with another entity. There's a connection between the gospel and the Christian. There's a connection between the gospel and the church. If the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to be relevant, it has to be connected to those who call themselves by the name of Christian. You can't hire somebody to spread the gospel. That's a corporate, that's a corporate purpose. Go ye into all the world. In the same way, if the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to be relevant in the corporate church, Jesus died for, the two have to be personally and powerfully and passionately connected, empowered and alive. There's no other program coming down the pipe or ever has that can do, that will do what the gospel will do for the church. Let me just close with this thought this morning. Kathy, this is your two-minute warning. How are we doing with time? I'm, I'm a, am I under any pressure yet for time? No pressure. Wow. Glory asked me, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing just fine. Are you nervous? No, I'm not nervous. I just, I'm just going to use the same thing I developed when I was having uh, bladder cancer and going through the treatments. And I developed this thought of mine that uh, I call it my thought prayer. And that is, I will not be... I will, I will not feel anxiety for thou art with me. <laughs> I've been saying that many times this morning. And it works. <laughs> By the way, welcome. If you, I didn't welcome the group outside of, out there in cyberspace, did I? Oh, well. If you are here today, and you are, right? Yeah. You're all here today. Right, Irma? Okay. If you are here today and you feel the passion, the promise, and the power of God, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> has slipped away simply because of the events of the past, or if you are convinced that you have never, ever really possessed the passion and the promises and the power of God, you can either discover, rediscover them today.
You can do that today. I've had to do that before, and, it, and you can do it too. I'm, I've asked one of the elders to be over at the prayer corner over there. See that sign right there? That's where prayer happens. And I've asked one of the elders uh, to join anyone who would want to just go there and have prayer. and They would just love to spend some time with you, answer any questions you might have. Because it's important that this day, today, you're right with God. It's important. It's either eternity here or eternity there. At this time, uh, we're going to participate in what's one of the most important parts of the church service, I believe, and that's the communion. And there are four tables set up. There's two up here and two in the back uh, that you can go to. Serve yourselves. Take your time. If uh, you can't uh, leave the pew at the time, just raise your hand and somebody will bring it to you. But my thought is this about communion. Communion is a moment in life. Just a moment. It's a moment in life that Christ has established for us to not only remember his blood, to not only remember his body that was sacrificed on the cross for your sins and mine, but also it's a time for us to rediscover it's a time for us to rediscover the fact that our sins are forgiven. Can I hear a praise the Lord? Our sins are forgiven. And sometimes we, the church, need to rediscover that truth. Or guilt is just going to control us the rest of our lives. You have nothing to be guilty of. Because the blood of Jesus took care of it. God wants us to get back on board. He wants us to get back on board out of that downward spiral. The long, he wants us in the long haul as the gospel and the good news moves forward into the future here at Garden Way. So with that, let me pray. Kathy, you're going to lead us in some background, aren't you? Father God in heaven, we're just grateful and thankful today, God, for your word. Uh, I'm humbled uh, by this experience today. Yet I know, Father, uh, it requires uh, your strength, not, not mine, to do the things you want us to do. And especially at this time, Father, it takes strength, it takes courage, it takes boldness to admit that we've been a little stagnant for a while. We just uh, thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit who brings the power, supplies the promises. God, you just supplied wonderful promises to us. Help us, to God, to revive the passion that each of us, no matter what our age, age has nothing to do with this. We can all pray. We can all say, yes, Lord, send me. Father, right now during our communion, give us the courage and the ability to rediscover the fact that your son Jesus died for us on that cross so that we might live. Help us to live today as you would have us live. Bring glory, Father. Not to me, not to us, but to your Son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.